Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll enjoy. If you're visiting with us tonight, God bless you. We welcome you here. We're so glad you're here. It's good to see some folks from Hurley here tonight. Somebody say, hoo, 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 Pastor Stephen and Kaylee. God bless you guys. It's so good to see you. And I know there's others that are visiting from other places, other fellowships. We want you to know we are kingdom-minded people here. And uh, we love fellowshipping with you. And uh, we're going to be launching uh, uh, beginning in January, first Sunday night of, of each month for till the Lord says don't when, or until we feel like it's, it's played its role. We're going to be uh, having a first Sunday night, night of worship. Uh, starting in January. We're going to kick the year off right, and we want to invite church people from all over. It's not about our church. It's about uh, having the kind of praise and worship that we had this morning, we had tonight, releasing it as we go into 2020, releasing it over our city, releasing it into the atmosphere, into our lives. So we're going to begin that, and uh, we, don't have, we don't have any agenda when we come out on those Sunday nights except to worship and praise Him, to, to let people move in the gifts of the Spirit, watch, let, let God work and work through us. And so we're excited about that. And we hope you'll get pumped and excited about it with us and invite people from other, other uh, fellowships as well because that's what we want to do. We want to see the kingdom grow and uh, blessed. So uh, I want to thank Audrey for coming. Fred and Audrey, it's been a joy to have you. And, uh, you know, when uh, I said this this morning, but I need to repeat it because I know some of you uh, weren't here, weren't able to be here. Uh, when I talked with her back in the spring, she said, I'm just coming and believe in God. Amen. I'm just believing God. You know, what are your requirements? I'm just believing God. And uh, that's awesome. And then when, when we got to spend uh, yesterday afternoon with them, uh, brought them in this morning, and I said, well, do you want me to take you back, you know, somewhere? And she said, no, I, we, we, we want to be out here. We want to be out with the folks. We want to be out with the people. We want to be out getting to know the body of Christ. Well, that tells me what I need to know. And uh, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate that and, and how much we honor that and how much we value that. Thank you for your heart and your attitude and, and just the servant spirit that you have in the body of Christ. That means so much to us. And uh, we've done this a long time, and it's not always that way. And I can tell you, and you are very, very, very much appreciated for that. So, but I'm just telling you this. Stop by the book table. Get her stuff. Uh, it's great. It'll feed you. And like I said this morning, breakthrough requires follow-through. We need to feed. We need to, we need to continue uh, on in the process and allow, allow God to fool us. You know, the world is out there trying to bombard us on a daily basis. And we heard this morning what we focus on is so important. I'm not going to preach. Come on. Sister Audrey, come on and bless us tonight. Amen. Looking forward to it. God bless you, dear. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you. You guys are so sweet. Oh. Mm. Fred, could you come here a second? Is there something you want to say? Oh, really? Yes. Not preach, but just say something to the people. They get to see you and hear you. This oh. is my wonderful husband. <laughs> and my wonderful wife. Uh, I was telling the pastors, I said, uh, if I was, if we were to start a church or had a church, we were not going to start a church, but if we were in a church and was going to start a church, this is what it would look like. 
And, um, and so, that's what we would like it to look like. That's right. Amen. Well, this is what it looks like. I'm, I'm believing in faith. In, well, but we're not starting the church. <laughs> but we just love y'all. We, we really feel kindred heart here. feel like um, we just know you. You know, it's just a family. And, um, and I can tell you that, you know, I'm her student myself. And, uh, you know, what I like about Audrey is that I can apply what she says. Yeah. And that's what's so good about the teaching. God has really blessed her to do that. She is, now I can tell you, that girl studies and she prays and she worships on them, you know, uh, just like we have job, a 40, 60-hour week. But it's, it's incredible to be able to come here and, and be with you people. And, yeah. and I don't always get to go. I, I have a business in Jacksonville. But, so uh, this is my pleasure to be here and to meet you all. We feel like family. It's a Amen. good thing. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Now I just don't know what I'm going to say. Just, I'm taking for words. But, oh, it is good to be here. Thank you for, your, for trusting us with this pulpit, even though it's a table. I don't take it lightly, and I, I know even for a, a pastor... To, to trust somebody with this place is a responsibility, and I never take it lightly. And I know that, you know, I, I stand before God and, and with gratitude and understanding that you are trusting me. So thank you. And uh, I am really excited just to see all of you tonight. We didn't know if we were going to find four people or ten people. Or, but you know what that tells me? That you all, you could be in front of the TV watching football or HGTV or whatever. But you are here tonight because your heart is hungry for something, for God, for more. You want to press in. And just coming to church on a Sunday night, it's not easy. But that shows me that in your heart there is a desire, there is a, a, a what I call a spiritual violence. That means that you're not going to take it easy. You're just going to come and press through and press in for more of God. And God honors that. Amen. So tonight I have something on my heart to share with you. And I believe what Pastor uh, Scotty spoke is a prophetic word. That there will be fires rekindled. There will be zeals and passion that kind of died down that will be revived. Amen. And for some of you who have not known what it means to be passionate and Full of fire tonight, you'll be fired up. Amen. Hallelujah. But before we start, um, there is a table over there, and I just want to give a few little things. Is that okay? When Jesus came, he always gave. So we want to look like him, do like him, act like him. One of the things is uh, on the keys of authority. You know, this morning, I don't know that, I don't think that young couple is here because they drove quite a few hours to come here. But oftentimes, what I realize that people sometimes don't understand the authority that they have. And when they approach a problem, they are approaching really God almost in a in a pleading attitude, in a crying pleading attitude, asking God to do something that God commanded us to do. 
Because right here down in the kingdom of God here on earth, he's entrusted us with a powerful authority. And we don't even realize that authority, what it actually entails, what it means. And so in that album, it comes in CD and in USB, the keys of authority unlocking the kingdom. Is there somebody here you have been saved for less than a year and you are facing some challenges? Anybody? Saved less than a year. You see the lady, I think it's a lady, yeah, with a hand. Just go and bless her. You better watch out, devil. You better run quick. Another message here. I picked this one on the table because that message is actually, the Lord showed me one time that that was the num- one of the number one, the number one tool that the devil used to stop revival in the church and in somebody's life. And it's called don't act like a monkey. And what it actually is, is about getting loosed from the trap of offense. You know, at the early church, there was a great revival I mean, they changed, they turned the world upside down. But one thing is said, they were of one heart, of one heart, of one accord. And there was great grace and great power. If you want great grace and great power in your own life, and you want to live in that kind of revival in your own life, you need to understand that offense is not a happenstance. It is a trap of Satan to put your life on hold, to to rob you of God's destiny and blessing and destroy your testimony. So that's a teaching it on in two minutes. Anybody, you are the kind of person, and that take humility to even admit it, but God said, I give grace to the humble. You realize that you are very, you're the kind of person you are susceptible to offense. You get offended easily. Anybody here? That's a humble person, hallelujah. I had a guy come one, one time, it was funny. He came and he wanted the CD and I'm like, man, it's for, he said, no, it's for my wife. I was like, you have the nerves, but hallelujah. And then I have one thing here, it's a brand new, we just, we just put it together, it's called She Is. It's a women album, it's She Is Loved. She's secure and she's powerful. It's the three CD album to teach you how you are, how much you are loved, receiving God's love for your life, how to get rid of all kind of insecurity so that you can become a, and how to become a powerful woman. Is there a woman here? You, t- you tend to deal with a lot of insecurity. Anybody, all the... Fred, I'm going to trust you. You're led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you all. Before I start tonight, I want to read you a word of prophecy that was given in 1947 by Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? 
He was a powerful man of God who saw, I don't know, 23 plus people raised from the dead. He saw unusual miracles and he was bold. Even accused of being too hard and too brash. But he knew and understood the anointing and the power of God. And before God took him to heaven, he had an open vision. And here, and I will just read part of it, but listen to what it says. When the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the churches of something that has not been seen before, a coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and those with an emphasis on the spirit. For when the word and the spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nation and indeed the world has ever seen. And it will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse every other revival. There is something there that the Holy Ghost always reminds me. That we have to be people of the word. I mean, Jesus told us we have to be those who build their lives on the rock of the word. Because it is the word that will keep us steady. It will be the word like a plumb line, like an anchor. It will keep you steady no matter if you go through a storm or no matter what kind of winds of deception goes around. The word will keep you right there solid. But we also need to be people of the Holy Spirit. And you know, and I like, because I can tell this church is the church of the word and the spirit. Because you know how to worship God. I mean, I don't meet a lot of pastor on Sunday morning that says, Audrey, take all your liberty, however long it lasts. Do whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do. A lot of churches today, it's like, Audrey, I want a revival. I want miracles. I want signs and wonders. Oh, but by the way, you've got 40 minutes. <laughs> or 30 minutes. I even had people said, yeah, we want God to move, but you have 20 minutes. And I'm thinking, yeah, God can do anything in 20 minutes. But as soon as we put him in a box and we try to confine him and we take that liberty away... Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's got to be liberty. And once you take that out. Okay, enough said. But we have to be people of the spirit. That means, and you, you see this morning I talked about how to, be, to live a, a life of holiness. Of, of manifesting God, not only his power, but his character, his holiness. And we saw how we've got to get rid of that sin consciousness, always focused on the flesh, on the weaknesses, on the failures, on, the, on, on, on our weaknesses. We've got to get rid of that sin consciousness. But I also said that how we do it, is what will decide whether we walk in victory and power, or whether we walked in defeat and in bondage to that very sin we want to be free from. And we have to learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. Because we saw this morning, it is the Holy Spirit that is not a key player in this new covenant. 
The Father is sitting on the throne. Jesus has accomplished what he was sent to do. He went back to the Father and he's now sitting at the right hand of God. He's, he, and he said, it is finished. His work was accomplished, perfect. And he's sitting down. And he, but he sent the Holy Spirit. Why? Because in now, in this new covenant, Holy Spirit is the key player. He is the one now that is here with a mission. And you are his mission. And we saw that now we get rid of that sin consciousness. And we have now to walk with the Holy Spirit. Trusting him and being led by him. And depending on him to show us when we need to change. When we need to make correction. When there's something we did we shouldn't have. We just trust him. We are free. But he is the one that will lead us and power. He gives us the power both to will and to do. And it is, we saw this morning, Romans 8, 6, that it is by the Spirit that we put to death the works of the flesh. By the Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And so tonight I want to talk about Holy Spirit. How to live a life empowered by Holy Spirit. Because if he is the key player, if he's the one that we have to have now a relationship with. And you know the Bible talks about communion with the Holy Spirit. Kononia, a partnership, a communion, and a, a, a friendship with Holy Spirit. That means that we have to learn to Listen to him, to walk with him, to talk to him, to, to be cooperate with him. Amen? So are you ready tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I want to read you a few scriptures. In Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. So wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You see, to walk today as a son of God, as a, 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 a brother or a sister of Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you think about it, that Jesus, the Son of God, with a big S, he did what he did because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because most people think that Jesus walked like he did in such power, in such holiness, in such uh, 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 discernment because he was the Son of God. But no. Because when he was 28 and a, and a half, he was the son of God, wasn't he? Did he do any miracles? I lost a few here. No. Look in your Bible. It is only at the age of 30 when he went into the river Jordan. The skies opened up. The Holy Spirit descended upon him as with a form in gentleness as in the form of a dove. The father spoke he, spoke, here is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And it's from that place of being empowered from the Holy Spirit, filled with the person and the power of Holy Spirit that he went around 
Acts 10.38 said uh, that Jesus, how he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Don't you think we need him? And you know, I've noticed something also because Jesus is so good. He obtained one of, one thing he did is he defeated the devil, point. And he obtained victory over every struggle, over every need, over every sickness, challenge, uh, over everything. He obtained the victory for every one of us. So today we have, it's like playing a game of football knowing we already win. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 said, Thanks be to God who always, not just sometimes, who always gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. So we have the victory. But I, as I travel and I meet a lot of people, I receive a lot of email. I pray for a lot of people. And I see a lot of people sometimes that are very confused. Because they know they got the victory. But they just don't know how to get there. They just don't know how to go from point A to point Z. Or they hear a lot of really good messages. Even in this generation of the media and the internet where on the click of a finger you have access to thousands of messages. Some super good, some stay away from. And I see people that hear so much, they have access to so much revelation, so much knowledge, but it is good, but yet it can work against them because they're like, okay, what do I do? Okay, I heard a message on uh, fight the good fight of faith. So they're like, okay, I'm going to fight. But then they hear another good message that says, he who believes, enter into the rest. But then they hear another message the confession of faith. Then they hear another message, faith with that act is dead. And then they're like, okay, what do I do? Do I confess, confess? Do I fight, fight? Or do I rest? Do I add what? And they get confused. But the good news is the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us. Because in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, he says again, thanks be to God. Who leads us into triumph. And who is he that leads us? Who is he now that has been sent down here to empower us and to lead us into all truth? The Holy Spirit. It's the, you see, Jesus obtained the victory for you. But the Holy Spirit is the one that is there to lead you. So we've got, number one, to realize that we cannot do life on this earth on our own. We need Holy Spirit. And that means that, first of all, we must become conscious of his presence. And let me tell you something. If Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so do we. And once you are filled with the Holy Spirit and his power, you've got to become conscious that he is in you. He dwells in you forever. And you know, sometimes people have that concept that Holy Spirit is like that 
dove that's going to fly out on one little step aside. If you do one little thing wrong, the Holy Spirit leaves you. That's not what my Bible says. In, in, in the book of John, Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will come to dwell in you eternally. What is eternally? Forever. We can have that security that Holy Spirit is the one that is going to help us to walk straight. He's the one that's going to tell us, oh, don't do that. He's the one that's going to lead us, help us, restrain us, correct us, sometimes rebuke us. I've had some little Holy Spirit spanking. But I thank God. I was so thankful because at that very moment, I knew it was God fathering me. And the Bible says, whom God disciplines, corrects, he loves. Oh, glory to God. So you see, we read, we heard that Smith Wigglesworth said that at the threshold of a, and I believe we have started, we have entered, we are in it. It's the beginning of it. That that revival, there is an awakening, there is something happening where people, young people now are hungry for God, are wanting to move in the supernatural. They are now hearing God speak to them. We see now every generation just taking their place. And we all need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in John 16 verse 7, it is to your advantage if I go away. Because we think, oh, walking with Jesus, that would be so, that would, that would be the ultimate. That would be the best, walking with Jesus. Right? But Jesus says, uh-uh, it's going to be much better if I go. For the simple reason that Jesus was limited. He could only be in one place at one time, talking to a few people at a time, answering one question, meeting one need. He was limited, but Holy Spirit is not. He's right here in Mobile, Alabama. He's right there in China, somewhere in the Middle East, somewhere in Kenya. He's everywhere. And he's, that's comforting to me. Because I know he's not going to run ragged, tired, exhausted, say, I don't have time for you, honey. No, he's everywhere. That comforting. But I also learned something. That in order to become more sensitive to Holy Spirit, to develop a relationship with him, number one, like I say, we have to be Conscious, constantly remind ourselves the Holy Spirit is not somewhere in the atmosphere. I don't have to look up, He's in me. And you know, it's like not ignoring Holy Spirit, but saying, He's right there. And talking to Him, asking Him questions, realizing that He's right there, right there, ready to help. He's the helper. But also realize. That he's given us when God gave us the Holy Spirit. He also saw necessary, important to give us with him a prayer language. And some people like, what, what do I need to speak in tongues? I'm saved. I go to heaven. It's enough. Well, yeah, you'll go to heaven and you might go there a little faster. 
Because once I've discovered, I mean, God is God, right? And we are not. And for me, I'm not going to challenge God or try to dispute or try to convince that why would I need the Holy Spirit when Father God said, you need the Holy Spirit and I'm going to see to it that you get a prayer language that your brain cannot understand. Because how many of you know the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2. You know this morning I was talking how God took us out of darkness. But he took us out of darkness into the light. Into a destiny. Into a plan. Into something that is much bigger than what we can think or imagine. God didn't just get you saved to bring you to heaven one day. God got you saved. But with that salvation there is a plan. There is a destiny. There is something that is tailor made. Something that is written in the heart of God. In your spirit from the foundation of the earth. Before you were ever born. God in his master plan. Concept and, 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 and orchestrating. He knew that you would be born at such a time of this. And that you would be here at this specific moment. Why? Because he's got something for you to do. You're not just born again. Just to live by until you get there. You are born with a destiny, with a plan. And it's only when we hook up with the Spirit of God that we can not only discover but fulfill that plan. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, I has not seen, no ear has heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But these things are revealed to us by the Spirit. And you say, no. Nah. You see, that plan, I love the scripture. I think it's in Proverbs 25, verse 2. It says, it's the glory of God to hide a matter. But it's the glory of king to search it out. God saw it in his infinite wisdom to hide the blueprint of your life in your spirit. And in Proverbs verse 20 verse 5, it said the plan, the counsel, the purposes of God are like deep water. But it's the man of understanding that will know how to draw it out. You and I, we are born for such a time as this. We are right here in the time at the threshold of the greatest revival ever. And we have to be people of the word and people of the spirit. That means we've got to hook up with the Holy Spirit to fulfill that plan, to know that plan, to go right in that plan. And I love it because... In 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 2, it says, He who speaks in another tongue does not speak to man, but to God. How be it? How be it in the Spirit he speaks at mysteries? And that word mysteries is the Greek word musterion. It means hidden things, secret things. The things which God has prepared for us. 
from the foundation of the world, that blueprint of your destiny, of the plan and purposes of God for your life, that have been hidden by the God's glory and God's design, hidden in your spirit. But it's the man that understands how to draw it out. How? By praying in another tongue. Because you see, here is the way I see it. That plan for our love is so beyond what our little mind can even comprehend or can even imagine. It is so beyond. God sees you so much beyond what, how you can see yourself. When God sees you, he sees a potential. He sees miracles. He sees power. He sees so much more. But so many of us, we see ourselves, like I said this morning, in the natural. Or we see ourselves with our little inabilities, weaknesses. And God says, I have got to find a way for that guy to Pray out and, and work out and walk out that plan I have for him. Because think about it. You see, we are so limited by what we see. Like when in Genesis 13, when God took Abraham and he brought him on a high mountain. And he said, hey, Abraham, I want you to look to the north. Then look to the south, to the east and the west. And as far as you can see. I will give it to you. Now how, what would you think if Abraham had said, that's as far as God could have given him. And it was not a matter of God doing it. It was about, do you see it? God could only do what Abraham could see. God could only do in Abraham's life what he was willing to see. He had to open his eyes, stretch his eyes. But for you and I, we are not in such a, 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 a culture, a society where we are bombarded with unbelief, with impossible, impossibilities, with no's and, 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 and it's hard for us to see. As far as we can. But God says I found a way. I'm going to give them a prayer language. Where all of a sudden their brain will not get in the way. Because the Bible says you have not. You have not because you ask not. How can you ask something you don't know about? But God said I found a way. I'm going to get in them a prayer language. And out of their spirit, they're going to pray out, speak out, and pray out. They won't understand what they say it's better, although what it would kind of scare them. They're going to pray things out, those mysteries, those plans, those purposes, those mysterion. And through their mouth, they're going to speak it out, declare it, pray it, ask it, and I'm going to be able to do it. You see, I see people going through life. Like, you know, those bumper cars. They go through life and they bump into a problem. Then they pray. Or they bump into a need. Then they pray. There is a better way to do life. 
There is a way to do life with the help of the Holy Spirit. Where when he draws you and prompts you, you see, you follow the leading, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden he said, I need you to spend a little extra time praying in the Spirit. Because he knows he's got something for you to pray. He's got an assignment. He knows because he knows the past, the present, and the future. He sees all things. He has all knowledge, all wisdom. And he's like, I'm going to get him. And kind of propped him to spend a little time praying in the spirit. And you pray and without realizing you are praying out exactly what you need. You are praying out that problem out of the way. I remember Fred and I were leading a team into the jungles of Guatemala. And before we left there, I had a romantic idea. Where I thought we would have to open a path in the jungle... You know, with all kind of trees and stuff. And, and I kind of thought like Indiana Jones. And I thought that we're going to have those big machete. And with the team, we were going to go. But then I'm thinking, you know, my wheels are turning. I'm thinking, wow, that's going to take some time. How long? We don't have that long. How is it going to take? How are we going to do that? Da, 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 da. And then I said, okay, we'll figure it all out when we get. When we got there, the missionary that had invited us had already planned. Right there, I saw there was a path open already in the jungle. And I'm like, what happened there? And I looked, there was a bulldozer on the side. <laughs> and in no time, chick, 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 up there opened a path. And one day God spoke to me and he said, you see, when you spend time praying in the spirit by the prompting of my spirit, it's like you going on a spiritual bulldozer. You go, you remove, you, you bring the supply, you remove the problem. You allow God to pray through you that which he knows about, which you have no, no clue. Now, I'm not talking about entering into works. Did you hear what I said? By the prompting of the Spirit. There might be season where Holy Spirit draws you. Where he says, I need you to spend extra time. And there is, when you remember what I said this morning, he gives you the will and the power to do it. I remember... I want, and oftentimes the Holy Ghost knows you're about to enter into a new season or a higher level or a change. He knows your life and he knows how to draw you. And if you feel a desire to pray, don't ignore it. Just go and say, okay, let's pray and let's pray in the spirit. It might take you a few days, a few hours. I don't know. But you follow the leadings of the spirit. And I remember I was in transition And it was the summer of 1998. And that summer, all summer, I felt such an unction, such a desire and a drawing to spend time to pray in the spirit. I didn't know what I was going to pray about. But I spent the whole summer. There was such a grace. People would invite me to go out to eat. I didn't want to. They'd invite me to a movie. I was not interested. All I wanted to do was pray. And it's funny because then the devil got on my shoulder and said, you're weird. You're unsocial and weird. Isn't that amazing? When you don't pray, he accuses you. And when you pray too much, he accuses you. But so I prayed that summer. And at the end of the summer, I only had one, one word. I heard Florida. I was in Missouri at the time. And I heard Florida. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with that? 
So I'm thinking, well, Florida, I'm going to buy a plane ticket. I'm going to go there. I landed in Florida. Two days later, I was invited to minister to a youth group in Tampa, Florida. And that same day, at that same time, that same town, that's where I met my husband. Long story short, why I had to pray all summer, that's another story I have no time to tell. But Holy Spirit knew that that young woman that needed a little help in the spirit... You see, by spending time praying in the Spirit, being by the prompting of the Spirit, you can be at the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And you know, Holy Spirit knows also that there will be time when you need, He might wake you up in the middle of the night. He might wake you up or He might interrupt you during the day. When all of a sudden you're like, you have that, I've got to pray. I mean, no question about it. And, and so what do you do? Well, just go and pray. And let me tell you something. Don't avoid it or ignore it. Ask me how I know. Thank you, honey. I know you. I was just a young Christian. I had got saved six, seven months. God told me to pack my bag to leave France to come to the United States. On my way to the States, I stopped in England where I have my older sister. We hadn't seen for a long time, and we're talking, talking. In the middle of a conversation, I get one of those, ooh, like I call it like a burden for the lack of better word, and a Holy Spirit interruption, like I knew I had to pray. It was like, ah, a heaviness that came right here in my guts where I know I've got to pray. But of course, I can I can, I don't want to offend my sister by stopping her in the middle of her conversation. So I told myself, I'll pray later. Well, later never comes. I was so tired, I went to bed, I fell on the bed. We woke up in the middle of the early, early in the morning to hear that my father had died that night. And I told myself, what would have happened if I had listened and prayed. You see how Holy Spirit was trying to get my attention because he knew there was somebody in my family that was in danger. How Holy Spirit wants to help us to reach our loved one, to help us in everything. I thank God I didn't I refused to walk in condemnation. I knew enough not to do that. But I told Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to teach me. Teach me not to make the same mistake. Teach me not to do the same thing. And let me tell you what Holy Spirit did. That's how awesome he is. A few years ago, my brother was diagnosed with brain cancer. Lives in the south of France. So Fred and I got on a plane, got right there. And the whole time, I mean, I see miracles all the time. You know, I see people healed. And I had, I'm like, I'm going to go there, minister to him. He's going to get healed. Hallelujah. And I went there, but you cannot force somebody to receive healing. Try to talk to him, try to explain to him. And he's like, no, no, it's okay, it's all fine. Finally, I'm thinking, if I doesn't get healed, he needs to receive Jesus. So Fred and I try to minister to him, witness to him. I mean, to the day where we're supposed to leave to take our plane back to the States. My, my, my brother doesn't, doesn't feel, you know touched or 
involved and, and I'm like the night before, I'm like, you need Jesus? And he's like, no, go home. Everything, God and me, we're like this. Go back home. Everything is fine. Well, I knew God and him were not like that. I knew he was a heathen and I knew he needed Jesus. But we went back home and we got an idea. Why not try to call him on the phone? He had a cell phone next to his bed. All summer, I tried to call him. He would not pick up the phone. Finally, September the 12th, which happened to be my birthday, I just had a simple little prayer to Father God. And I said, Father God, I know you love me. The best gift you could give me is to allow me to talk to my brother and lead him to the Lord. Would you please do that, Father? Thank you. And then all day long, I tried to call him. Didn't pick up the phone. That evening, I was disappointed. Went to bed and thought, I don't understand. God always answered my prayers. So I went to bed disappointed. At one in the morning, Fred and I were in bed. We hear a big pop. We both sat, looked at each other. Fred, who is the man, reaches in his drawer, gets his gun, goes around the house. Yes, my husband is packing. Hallelujah. I can tell you, he's really packing. Every time I go on a mission trip, I comes back, there is a new gun in the house. But anyway, so he goes around the house. And he's like, comes back, he's like, no, there is nothing. I said, honey, that's not, it's the Holy Spirit that woke us up. He wants us to pray. So we got up, both of us, and prayed in the Spirit. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what's going on. I haven't talked to my, my brother for I don't know how long. I couldn't reach him. So we pray in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, out of my mouth, comes that those words in the name of Jesus death I command you to lose him death come out of that room right now in Jesus name let him go and I was shocked because I, I had not even thought of that and then two minutes later I hear the Holy Spirit that says go and call him again and I'm like Lord I heard I tried all summer all day he's like Stop arguing, go and call him. So I went and called my brother. He picked up the phone immediately. I was even shocked. Oh, me, your oh, great faith. <laughs> and I said, listen to me. I said, God woke us up in the middle of the night to pray for you. And he said, he did? I said, yes. I said, you need Jesus and you need me now. He said, he's really trying to get my attention, isn't he? I said, he surely is. He said, you know what? He's in my room. I'm like, he is? <laughs> well, to make this long story short, I led him in the prayer. Oh, man, I hung up. I was so excited. If I could do backflip, I would have done them, but I couldn't. But a few hours later, we got another phone call from my sister that said, do you know what happened to our brother? I'm like, no, I just know I called him. She said, five minutes before you called him, he died. He was dead on the hospital bed. And laying on the hospital bed, his spirit left his body. And he saw his spirit going, sucked into the atmosphere, going through the roof, through 
the atmosphere and he was being sucked in and he could see his body laying on the hospital bed but he couldn't do anything he was out of control and he even saw his body going on in the bathroom going on himself is 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 bladder just and that was an interesting little fact doctor right somebody said that when somebody dies their organs just releases And then he was sucked into the atmosphere and five minutes later, he went back into his body and the phone rings. Do you see what Holy Spirit did? Some of us are trying so hard, so hard to reach out to our loved one or to people. And we are trying so hard and we get so frustrated when in, if only we would learn to work with the Holy Spirit, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to the Spirit. And let me tell you something. The more you pray in another tongue, the more sensitive you become to his voice. It's like I have a friend that says, it's like in a kitchen drawer, you've got different knives. You've got the butter knife, you've got the tomato knife. And you don't dare trying to cut a tomato with a butter knife. May I suggest to you that in the spirit, some of you are like tomato knives, but others are like butter knives. You're not sharp in the spirit. Why? Because you do not spend time praying in the spirit. Because when you pray in the spirit, it's like you sharpen your knife. You sharpen your sensibility. You sharpen your spiritual ears, your spiritual perception. You become more conscious of the spirit, more attuned, more hallelujah. And let me add and interject something. Some of you are saying, I don't hear the Holy Spirit. I don't seem to hear the Holy Spirit. The first thing you need to change is that confession. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's the truth. And for us to say, I don't hear God's voice. That means that we are taking the wrong approach and position to the word of God. I don't mean to be, you know, brash or hard, but we are walking in pride against the word and against what God says. No, we've got to humble ourselves and say, oh, I'm going to change my confession. I'm not going to say, I don't hear God. I can't hear God. I don't seem to hear God. We're going to start saying, I'm a sheep and I hear his voice. I remember one time I was in a transition time and I would, I would pray and pray and ask God what I was to do and I felt like I was stuck and I kept on saying, I don't know what to do. I can't seem to know what to do. I don't even hear what God is saying and I kept saying and all of a sudden I had one of those little Holy Spirits thinking and he said, stop saying you don't hear my voice. And I'm like, Hello, I don't hear you. He says, stop saying that. Start saying, you hear my voice. You know what to do. And so I changed my confession within a couple of weeks. The will of God 
was clear to me. Things started to unroll. So that the first thing we need to do, and then the second thing is pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. When we don't know what to pray for. Or, you know, to be those to be people that said, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to interrupt me, to wake me up, to call me to prayer. Because, you know, I came aware sometime, I do a lot of women conference, and that applies for everybody, really. But sometimes I meet, I meet women or people that are at home, whether they have little kids that are just newborn, or whether they are taking care of an elderly person or a handicapped person, and they are like at home, and they have to be there and nothing else to do, and they feel stuck, they feel trapped. And oftentimes they'll say, well, look at me. God cannot do, I mean, what can I do for God? I cannot go and do this. I cannot go and even witness here and there. I'm here taking care of kids or a person or what, what do, oh, what can you do? You can be one that starts working and partner with Holy Spirit and do things in the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God, without leaving your living room, without leaving your house. And there will be a day when you said, me, Lord, me, Lord, there will be a day where you will be in heaven and we'll be all together in heaven and there will be people coming to you that will say thank you. And you're like, who are you? I don't know you. Oh, you don't know me. But remember that night that you prayed? And because of your prayer, I was going to kill myself. But I had an encounter with God and I gave my heart to Jesus. Or because of you. I was going to go and dead in a car accident. But then God sent something that prayed for me and raised me from the dead. Or because, I mean, the scenario are endless. But the thing is that we can be people that are there ready to work alongside of Holy Spirit by praying in the Spirit, by being, listening to Him. And when He calls, we answer. When He says pray, we pray. When He says stop, we stop. And you see, when God calls you like that to pray, some of you might wonder, but how long do I pray? How long do I pray? Good question. Pray until you get a note of victory in your spirit. And you say, well, how will I know I have a note of victory? Well, you know, you remember earlier I say when God calls you to pray, it almost feels like a burden you know, like I said, for a lack of better way. It feels like heaviness. Sometimes it feels like you can't even, you feel like you want to go like that. Oh, like you're travailing or something is heavy on your heart. When you've prayed through, when you've prayed and got the victory in the spirit, there is a lifting of that burden, a lifting of that heaviness. There is a note. Sometimes you feel like singing or laughing or praising God. It means that in the spirit, you have prayed the victory. It is finished. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there is so much we could say about this prayer language. So much. Here is another good one. How many of you have ever felt physically tired? 
Anybody honest in this house? You know, I travel sometime. I cross some time zones. I mean, sometimes it's like I'm for two days in planes. I, get, I remember I used to go to Vietnam. I don't go there too much anymore, but I used to go there every year. And I would travel for two days, plane after plane after plane. I would get there, I would rest half a day. The next morning I would start, they were so hungry. We would be in a little room in an underground church or room. And we would be in that little room with that AC with 40, I don't know, 110 degrees with that AC in that little room, 50 people, and I would be teaching six to seven hours a day, every day for two weeks, except Saturdays. My spirit was excited. My spirit was like, but my body was like, I can't follow. Anybody can relate. But I've learned the art of praying in the spirit, and I'd spend Hours just praying in the spirit, in my shower, in the taxi, everywhere. I would pray in the spirit and I would find a strength. It'd be like being recharged. That's what the Bible says. He who prays in another tongue edifies himself. Jude 20 said, but you, my beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And when we pray in the spirit, we don't need to recharge our spirit. Our spirit doesn't get tired. But our body has sometimes a hard time to follow. And do you know what I've discovered? That when we pray in the spirit, it's like we release resurrection power in our body. It quickens our body. You know, there is a doctor. I used to live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there is a doctor. His name was Dr. Carl Peterson. He was a brain doctor. And his wife was a Holy Ghost fireball. Holy Ghost minister. And everybody would always ask, Dr. Peterson, what happens when somebody prays in tongues? What happens? So finally he said, I'm going to do a study on it. And he had people come to his office and they hooked up all kind of instrument and just read, you know, monitors and stuff to see what happened. And those people prayed for 20, 30 minutes. And he discovered something, that there is a little part of the brain that does absolutely nothing except when somebody prays God, worships God, and prays in the spirit. And when that little part of the brain gets activated, it releases a substance called endorphin. Now tell me, doctor, if I'm wrong. But I read that endorphin is 200 more powerful than morphine. And that endorphin boosts the nervous system, the endocrine system, the nervous system, the immune system, all the systems. No, and they finally discovered what the Bible taught us for thousands of years. For Romans 8, 11, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. That's what happens. By speaking in another tongue, you are 
releasing endorphin. You are activating resurrection power to start boosting every system in your body. Life, life. And I found that when I pray in tongues, I get strong, stronger. And you know also what it does? It kicks and it just energizes your emotions. Anybody's been depressed? Anybody's been discouraged? Anybody's been feeling like you got the blue Monday? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Because Paul said he has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, force, life, love, and a sound mind. I remember I was in Ethiopia. And I, was, I, I traveled Now I travel more and more with people coming with me. But back then I would travel alone a lot. Just because I was going in some hard-to-go places. And not everybody could go there. And it's places where you just don't want to take anybody. So it's sometimes better to go incognito under the radar. But I, I remember I was in Ethiopia. And I'd go to Ethiopia and I was there. And it was Thanksgiving. And I was by myself. And I was in my room, and I was, all of a sudden, I let my mind just run wild, thinking on the wrong things. And you know, your emotions will always follow your thinking. And I started to think of the family, they're on the table, they're eating turkey and sweet potatoes and squash casserole and broccoli casserole and this and that. And I started to feel sad. And the more I thought, the sadder I felt. And I felt lonely. I felt depressed and sad. Until I had a little jerk from the Holy Ghost. And he says, get out of it right now. I can't even have my own little pity party. He said, get out of it right now. And he says, start praying in the spirit. So I went and prayed in the spirit. Within 10 minutes, it's like a... Something just came out of my spirit and I started to laugh. And my perspective totally changed. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth, I said, Lord, I thank you. I could be there in America getting fat, but I'm here on the mission field preaching the gospel. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I got so happy. I went in my room, started to dance and rejoice. And man, the rest of the trip was a, was a breathe. You see, some of you are thinking on the wrong things. And your mind is going where you don't want it to go. And you find yourself being depressed. Start praying in the spirit. Some of you are needing to walk a little more in love. Pray in tongues. The Bible says, but you, my beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in another tongue, keeping yourself in the love of God. I'm telling you, when you spend time praying in tongues, it's hard to get out of there being selfish, angry, and with an attitude. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org. 